0: This is chapter 41 of Personal Recollections of Joan of Arc. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Personal Recollections of Joan of Arc by Mark Twain. Volume 2, Book 2, Chapter 41. The Maid Will March No More. Yes, it was as I have said. Joan had Paris and France in her grip, and the Hundred Years' War under her heel, and the king made her open her fist and take away her foot. Now followed about eight months of drifting about with the king and his council, and his gay and showy and dancing and flirting and hawking, and frolicking and serenading, and dissipating court, drifting from town to town, and from castle to castle, a life which was pleasant to us of the personal staff, but not to Joan. However, she only saw it, she didn't live it the king did his sincerest best to make her happy, and showed a most kind and constant anxiety in this matter. All others had to go loaded with the chains of an exacting court etiquette, but she was free, she was privileged. So that she paid her duty to the king once a day and passed the pleasant word, nothing further was required of her. Naturally, then, she made herself a hermit, and grieved the weary days through in her own apartments, with her thoughts and devotions for company, and the planning of now forever unrealizable military combinations for entertainment. In fancy she moved bodies of men from this and that and the other point, so calculating the distances to be covered, the time required for each body, and the nature of the country to be traversed, as to have them appear in sight of each other on a given day or at a given hour and concentrate for battle. It was her only game, her only relief from her burden of sorrow and inaction. She played it hour after hour, as others play chess, and lost herself in it, and so got repose for her mind and healing for her heart. She never complained, of course, it was not her way. She was the sort that endure in silence. But she was a caged eagle just the same, and pined for the free air and the alpine heights and the fierce joys of the storm. France was full of rovers, disbanded soldiers ready for anything that might turn up. Several times, at intervals, when Joan's dull captivity grew too heavy to bear, she was allowed to gather a troop of cavalry and make a health-restoring dash against the enemy. These things were a bath to her spirits. It was like old times, there at Saint-Pierre-le-Moutier, to see her lead assault after assault, be driven back again and again, but always rally and charge anew, all in a blaze of eagerness and delight till at last the tempest of missiles rained so intolerably thick that old dolon who was wounded sounded the retreat for the king had charged him on his head to let no harm come to joan and away everybody rushed after him as he supposed but when he turned and looked there we were of the staff still hammering away wherefore he rode back and urged her to come saying she was mad to stay there with only a dozen men her eye danced merrily and she turned upon him crying out a dozen men name of god i have fifty thousand and will never budge till this place is taken sound the charge which he did and over the walls we went and the fortress was ours old dolon thought her mind was wandering but all she meant was that she felt the might of fifty thousand men surging in her heart It was a fanciful expression, but to my thinking truer word was never said. Then there was the affair near Lagny, where we charged the entrenched Burgundians through the open field four times, the last time victoriously. The best prize of it, Franquette d'Arras, the freebooter and pitiless scourge of the region around about. Now and then other such affairs, and at last, away toward the end of May, 1430, we were in the neighborhood of compigne and joan resolved to go to the help of that place which was being besieged by the duke of burgundy i had been wounded lately and was not able to ride without help but the good dwarf took me on behind him and i held on to him and was safe enough we started at midnight in a sullen downpour of warm rain and went slowly and softly and in dead silence for we had to slip through the enemy's lines we were challenged only once we made no answer but held our breath and crept steadily and stealthily along and got through without any accident about three or half past we reached Compiegne, just as the gray dawn was breaking in the east Jones set to work at once and concerted a plan with guillaume de flavie captain of the city a plan for a sortie toward evening against the enemy who was posted in three bodies on the other side of the oise in the level plain from our side one of the city gates communicated with a bridge the end of this bridge was defended on the other side of the river by one of those fortresses called a boulevard and this boulevard also commanded a raised road which stretched from its front across the plain to the village of margui a force of burgundians occupied Marguis. another was camped at Clerois, a couple of miles above the raised road and a body of english was holding vinette a mile and a half below it a kind of bow and arrow arrangement you see the causeway the arrow the boulevard at the feather end of it, Margy at the barb, and Vinette at one end of the bow, Cleroy at the other. Joan's plan was to go straight per causeway against Margy, carry it by assault, then turn swiftly upon Cleroy, up to the right, and capture that camp in the same way, then face to the rear and be ready for heavy work, for the Duke of Burgundy lay behind Cleroy with a reserve. Flavie's lieutenant, with archers and the artillery of the boulevard, was to keep the English troops from coming up from below and seizing the causeway and cutting off Joan's retreat, in case she should have to make one. Also, a fleet of covered boats was to be stationed near the boulevard, as an additional help, in case a retreat should become necessary. It was the 24th of May. At four in the afternoon, Joan moved out at the head of six hundred cavalry on her last march in this life it breaks my heart i had got myself helped up on to the walls and from there i saw much that happened the rest was told me long afterward by our two knights and other eye-witnesses joan crossed the bridge and soon left the boulevard behind her and went skimming away over the raised road with her horsemen clattering at her heels she had on a brilliant silver gilt cape over her armor and i could see it flap and flare and rise and fall like a little patch of white flame. It was a bright day, and one could see far and wide over that plain. Soon we saw the English force advancing, swiftly, and in handsome order, the sunlight flashing from its arms. Joan crashed into the Burgundians at Margui, and was repulsed. Then she saw the other Burgundians moving down from Clerois. Joan rallied her men and charged again, and was again rolled back. Two assaults occupy a good deal of time, and time was precious here the english were approaching the road now from Vinette, but the boulevard opened fire on them and they were checked joan heartened her men with inspiring words and led them to the charge again in great style this time she carried margie with a hurrah then she turned at once to the right and plunged into the plan and struck the clerois force which was just arriving then there was heavy work and plenty of it the two armies hurling each other backward turn about and about and victory inclining first to the one, then to the other. Now, all of a sudden, there was a panic on our side. Some say one thing caused it, some another. Some say the cannonade made our front ranks think retreat was being cut off by the English. Some say the rear ranks got the idea that Joan was killed. Anyway, our men broke and went flying in a wild rout for the causeway. Joan tried to rally them and face them around, crying to them that victory was sure, but it did no good they divided and swept by her like a wave. Old Dolon begged her to retreat while there was yet a chance for safety, but she refused. So he seized her horse's bridle and bore her along with the wreck and ruin in spite of herself. And so along the causeway they came swarming, that wild confusion of frenzied men and horses, and the artillery had to stop firing, of course. Consequently, the English and Burgundians closed in, in safety the former in front the latter behind their prey clear to the boulevard the french were washed in this enveloping inundation and there cornered in an angle formed by the flank of the boulevard and the slope of the causeway they bravely fought a hopeless fight and sank down one by one flavie watching from the city wall ordered the gate to be closed and the drawbridge raised this shut joan out the little personal guard around her thinned swiftly both of our good knights went down disabled. Joan's two brothers fell wounded, then Noël Régasson, all wounded while loyally sheltering Joan from blows aimed at her. When only the dwarf and the paladin were left, they would not give up, but stood their ground stoutly, a pair of steel towers streaked and splashed with blood, and where the axe of one fell, the sword of the other, an enemy gasped and died. And so fighting, and loyal to their duty to the last, good simple souls, they came to their honorable end. Peace to their memories, they were very dear to me. Then there was a cheer and a rush, and Joan, still defiant, still laying about her with her sword, was seized by her cape and dragged from her horse. She was borne away a prisoner to the Duke of Burgundy's camp, and after her followed the victorious army, roaring its joy. The awful news started instantly on its round, from lip to lip it flew— and wherever it came it struck the people as with a sort of paralysis and they murmured over and over again as if they were talking to themselves or in their sleep the maid of orleans taken joan of arc a prisoner the saviour of france lost to us and would keep saying that over as if they couldn't understand how it could be or how god could permit it poor creatures You know what a city is like when it is hung from eaves to pavement with rustling black? Then you know what Rousse was like, and some other cities. But can any man tell you what the mourning in the hearts of the peasantry of France was like? No. Nobody can tell you that. And, poor dumb things, they could not have told you themselves, but it was there. Indeed, yes. Why, it was the spirit of a whole nation hung with crape the 24th of May. We will draw down the curtain now upon the most strange and pathetic and wonderful military drama that has been played upon the stage of the world. Joan of Arc will march no more. End of chapter 41